I'm in a series on the amazing mercy of God, and I'd like to start with the most classic verse of Scripture here in Psalm 105 about the mercy of God. Listen to this verse of Scripture here. Uh, I'm reading out of the New King James. It says this. It says, For the Lord is good, and His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Notice that. The Lord is good. Let's say it together. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. And the Lord is good. His mercy is amazing. And that's what we want to talk about for the next couple of minutes. But I cannot help but think today with Gideon being here, the mercy of God in that young man's life as a baby and the journey that this family has gone through and the mercy of God to bring him into this building today again and to see him physically and to watch him grow and to see the pictures on Facebook and the beauty of how this young child has developed. It's just such a joy, but it's the mercy of God. You say, well, Pastor Brian, you know, if the Lord is good, then how come he's not good to all? He is good to all that believe him. He's good to all that will receive him. The Lord is good basically because he gave us Jesus Christ, whose grace alone is worthy of the goodness of God, you know, being given to every person. But again, people live their lives without reaching out to the Lord, without extending, you know, that desire to have the mercy of God in their life. And one of the things I want to say about our church family in in the situation with Gideon is that when Jim and Kayla started going through this situation, I mean, it was a supernatural pregnancy, and then we had to see things develop, but then we saw things, you know, turning in a situation that was negative, and what did we do? We rallied together as a family. We believed for God's mercy and grace, and uh, again, was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. Was it easy on this couple? Absolutely not, but they persevered, and the three of them are here today, and, you know, more uh, uh, in other situations, that wouldn't always happen. You know, in other situations, children pass away or children are not born into the situation that Gideon's in today. And I am so thankful for the mercy of God. Jesus said here clearly in Matthew 5, 7, talking about what we're to do with this mercy and how God wants us to show mercy. He said in Matthew 5, 7, he said, blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy. Notice that. Blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy. And I don't know about you, I want to be a person of mercy. What does God want? How How does God want us to show mercy to others? Why is this so important to the Lord? Well, I'm going to give you some reasons why. First of all, God has shown you and I mercy. You think about your life. Look at your life today as you look back in retrospect and see the mercy of God. We can see the mercy of God here in John Jones's life. He was just married this uh, week uh, to a precious one young lady named Charlesy and a beautiful baby girl that's now part of their family. But, you know, John has had some very hard challenges through the years. We as a church family, have known his story and know his story, uh, especially the motorcycle accident and then a marital challenge and some other challenges. And he's even going through some challenges now. But I have to admit, being with him Thursday night and watching this couple come together and be married and the, under the umbrella of the name of the Lord and dedicating their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ as a family and as a home, I'm telling you what, God has shown mercy to this man. He could have died on that when that car accident happened. But you know what? I was at that hospital that night 
and they were doing what they had to do, and John was having to do what he had to do. But you know what? The mercy of God was there, the grace of God, the goodness of God. We should never forget that the enemy comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. He is an absolute consistent being, and he will do that. And he tried to do that that very night to rob a dear friend, a dear part of this church out of our lives. But God's grace and, of course, God's mercy is tremendous. Over in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, notice what it says here. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, talking about the mercy of God concerning you and I. Look what it says here. But God, who is rich, everybody say rich. He's rich in mercy. Notice this, because of the great love which he loved us. This is past tense. Watch this. Next verse. It says, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Jesus by grace, which is Jesus, you've been saved. Isn't that awesome? God is rich in mercy. And I know the world would tell you, well, I don't know about that, Pastor Brian. I'm just not quite sure. Listen, God was merciful because he gave us Jesus. That was before you and I were born again, but you and I ever existed that we were given the grace of God, the mercy of God through Jesus. And I'm so thankful for this amazing gift of Jesus Christ that transformed my life, that gave me an entire identity that I didn't have. Wanted so much to have an identity in the music business, but thank God he gave me his identity on October the 16th, 1983, and I've never been the same. And I think you and I should always remember that and reflect on that. It's not the family we were brought up into as far as a natural family that's our true identity. It's the family of God. Number two, God actually commands you and I to be merciful. It says over in Micah 6, 8, watch this. This is an interesting verse of scripture. He says, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. But watch this, to do these following things, but to do justly, to love mercy, notice that, to love it, and to what? Walk humbly before the Lord. So there's some things there that you and I need to do. We need to do what's right and do it right. We need to love mercy, not judgment. You say, Pastor Brian, what about those people who have done me wrong? Listen, God will take care of things. There is no way that anyone will ever get rid, I mean, get by with anything in this lifetime. Everyone's held accountable. It's just the way it is. If not, you need to watch the movie, The Gladiator, and watch that one quote there in the scene there. It's Richard and I's favorite quote, but it's true. That's the point of accountability. As he said in the movie, it's either in this lifetime or the next, but judgment will come. And unfortunately, that's what happens, but it'll happen. But if you live humbly before the Lord, if you do what's right, if you love mercy over judgment, I'm telling you, you're going to be going a long way of life instead of being critical and judgmental and, you know, again, getting to the place where, you know, it's, it, where it's all self-focused and there's no generosity and no reciprocity in your life, then life's not going to be good for you. There was a man there in Talladega recently that had a business and uh, he charged some things to my dad's account. My dad's been now in heaven for almost two years. And uh, he's a business owner, local business owner, not a big business, but a local business owner. And I just asked him to uh, clear that account. I'm closed that account. It has my dad's name on it. My dad's name on it. As a matter of fact, the business is across the street from where my dad's actually buried. And so I asked him several times to just to clear the account. And he said, I'm going to do it. And I'm doing it today. And I'm doing it. And I'm doing it. And uh, I just... You know, and then he, he made me all these promises and he didn't. So I went and paid it myself. And I wrote him a note. I said, listen, I paid the account because I wanted to honor my dad. You should be doing the right thing. If you want life to turn out right for you, you should have made this right. Because I'm telling you what, things will not go right for you if you're trying to dishonor another person. And you will not dishonor my dad's name. 
And so uh, I wasn't being mean, I wasn't being critical, but I was laying the facts out. If this is the choice you're going to make, then life will not be good for you. But it's going to be good for me because I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to pay this off and I'm going to do what's right here to the honor of my God and to the honor of my dad. And that's just the way it is. And so listen, when we do what's right, we do it right, then everything will turn out right. Right? Right. (laughs) Hey, the next one, number three. So number one, God has shown you mercy. Number two, God commands you actually to be merciful. But then number three, listen to this, not forgiving and being unmerciful actually is dangerous. Look what James 2.13 says. This is an interesting verse of scripture. For judgment is without mercy to the one who 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 has shown no mercy. Watch that. For mercy triumphs over judgment, James 2.13. Watch that. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I think that's why we need to be merciful. We need to give a person another opportunity if it's possible. In this situation with my dad, I gave this person all the grace or all the mercy that I could, but it came to a point where, you know what, my dad's name, my dad's honor. The last time I was there, I went into this business. They said, oh, we know that, that, you know, that your dad, you know, paid every one of his bills. Mr. Jacobs always paid everything. And, uh, and again, it was my sister that charged it in the name of this other business. And so, uh, you know, again, they, they knew that my dad had integrity, but again, the point was that I was going to make it right and I was going to do the right thing and let God handle the rest. And I'm telling you what, you know what, you can be unmerciful and I could have gone another route and uh, been unmerciful, but what's that going to do? Listen, I just went ahead and honored God, and God will honor you. And you, by the way, you remember this, you cannot receive what you're unwilling to give. And you know, I need mercy in my life. You need mercy in your life, so give mercy. Listen, that doesn't mean that somebody's going to run over me necessarily as far as, you know, doing something wrong, as we would say when I mean run over me, you know, and just take advantage of me. No, 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 no. I'm going to stand for what's right, and I'm going to leave that to the Lord. But I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to believe the best and let God take care of the rest. Because so many people in the world are living for themselves. And you know, when you show mercy towards others, God will do great and mighty things in your behalf. He will protect you. He will defend you. He will take care of you if you'll do that. Be known for a person of mercy. Be a model of that for others and show the goodness of God in your life. And I'm telling you what, you'll make an eternal difference by doing that, by being led of the Lord, by being led of the Holy Spirit as far as mercy. Again, you stand for what's right, but you also allow the God of who you serve to do his part too. I worked many years ago from 1992 to 1997 for a man named Jerry Savelle here in Crowley, Texas, Jerry Savelle Ministries. And of the, men, of the many men in ministry that I've known, Jerry Savelle probably has to be the most humble, kindest man I know as far as the mercy of God to be in that capacity of ministry and leadership. And it was an honor to serve for him. But back in his early years, he, uh, right before, um, at the beginning ministry of, beginning of his ministry years, he was in Oklahoma City coming home to, to uh, Fort Worth, Texas one night. And he was preaching in church. I've done it before many times. You go out to eat after the service with a pastor and the family. And you're, you know, it's late, but he was coming on home and uh, coming down Interstate 35. And how many of us know there at Medill and all that area, sometimes coming down 35 can be lonely, even though it is a major interstate. Well, this was one of those nights he was coming down there. His family was asleep, Miss Carolyn and the two girls in the back, Jerry Ann and Terry. And he's just driving along, coming back to Fort Worth, Texas. All of a sudden he hits this thing in the road. 
And it startled him and startled Miss Savelle. And, and she said, what'd you hit? And he said, I don't know. But he kept going as, as, as he was going along. He noticed his um, gas needles beginning to go just like that. Apparently what he'd hit punctured his gas tank. And so gas was leaking out. So it was leaking out pretty fast because the needle was going like that. So he got down a couple of miles and just eventually just had to pull over. And he's pulled over the side of the road on Interstate 35. And I mean, it was dark and it's pushing midnight. It was, it was around a little bit after 11 o'clock. And um, all of a sudden he just said, you know what, Carolyn, we're just going to have to pray here because this is before cell phones or anything. I don't see anything in front of me. I don't see anything ahead of me. I mean, it's just completely dark dark out here, and there wasn't no cars even at that time. So they prayed and uh, asked God to have mercy upon them and help them. And uh, so he waited a couple minutes, had one or two cars pass by, and he stood there sort of trying to flag some people down. But anyway, the third vehicle that came by was a, a man in a truck that pulled in right behind him. And the man in the truck came in and, and came in and explained the situation. Dr. Spell explained the situation to him and said, uh, can you help me? And the man said, uh, I'm supposed to help you. And Brother Jerry said, okay. He didn't know what that meant, but, but anyway, hold on, it gets better with the story here. And so the man said, listen, I, my shop and my, my uh, store is about 15 miles from here. I'm just going to tow you there. And so they hooked the car up, towed him about 15 miles, coming towards Fort Worth, pulled into this area next to this diner in this large gas station type building. And uh, the man had the keys, opened the garage up. They pulled the car in there, pushed the car in there, put it up on the rack, and they started, they took the gas tank down, and the man repaired the gas tank, put it back in there, then pulled Brother Jerry's car over into the uh, area where the uh, gas was as far as the filling station area. The man said, uh, listen, I'm going to fill your car up with gas so you can get on. And Dr. Spell was trying to pay him. He said, no, I'll pay for it. And the man said, no, it's what I'm supposed to do. I'm here to help you. I'm supposed to do this. And uh, Brother Jerry said, okay. And so he thanked him and they got on the way and said, Brother Jerry got here about one o'clock that night. So he was thankful and praising God that his car was fixed. You know, gasoline was in his car and everything was okay. The next week he was going back to that area and beyond that area to have a meeting. He said, you know what? I am going to stop by and I'm going to find that man and thank him personally for helping me that night to, to really save my family from any hardship. And so he gets to that area, remembers it, pulls off in there. And there's a diner there. And he noticed that this gas station was closed. So he walks into the diner and he asked the man at the diner. He said, hey, the man next door, what's his name? The owner, I'd like to thank Thank you for helping me last week as far as my car and the situation. He repaired my car and he actually filled my car up with gas. And the man said, uh, you must be mistaken, sir. That, that gas station's been closed for over 10 to 15 years now. No one's on that station. No one works there. Nobody's there. And Brother Jerry said, no, I was here. This is exactly the place where I got my car repaired. The man said, no, no, there's no one's been there. As a matter of fact, those pumps have been dry for years. He said, no, I got gasoline right there. And uh, anyway, Brother Jerry just drove on. And uh, the moral of the story is, listen, when you walk humbly before God, God will send help to you. He will give you, he, God, that, I guess God has gasoline that we don't know anything about. <laughs> and God can fix cars better than Chip can and Toyota. How about that? And so, uh, but when God's involved in your life, and Brother Jerry is a merciful man, a very merciful man. I know him personally. When you walk in that mercy, 
Good things will happen to you. But if you walk in judgment, if you walk in not the, the mercy of God, if you're going to swing the sword, which I understand we need to stand for what's right, but let God be the judge on certain things. I'm telling you what, there's a mercy beyond your own self. And Brother Jerry proved it that night. And I tell you what, that is one beautiful story among many. And I'm a testimony of the mercy of God. Back in 1992 was a transition year of my life. I had so many opportunities before me in 1992 before I came here in 1993. Of course, one-on-one was a presidential campaign that my dad was involved with, with, with Governor Bill Clinton at the time. And my dad strongly suggested that I be a part of that as far as the democratic pathway and, you know, just to aspire as a young man to be in the White House working with President Clinton if he were to be elected, etc. But I just had no peace about that. And even my dad sat me down and said, listen, it's a great opportunity. We can make that happen. However... The problem with that will be that there he is, my dad said he is a great leader, but there's also some personal issues within the structure of his family. And so, I mean, my dad was, was not oblivious to the situation, but he knew the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I didn't choose that pathway, and I'm so glad. Even though I come from a, a Democratic family, one of my family members was the former lieutenant governor of Alabama, Jerry Beasley. So, I mean, I come from a strong Democratic family. But, you know, the pathway I chose, I said, Daddy, I just don't believe it's right for me. I think I need to stay where I am. I think I'm eventually possibly coming to Fort Worth, Texas. Well, then a friend of mine that very same year uh, was, the, was the lead musician or lead guitarist in, in a country singer's name's Travis Tritt. And so he, Travis Tritt, was very popular at that time. And so my friend was leading the group and wanted to know if I would be a touring drummer, not a recording drummer, but a touring drummer with Travis Tritt that year. And because the money was excellent and the touring was outstanding and Mr. Travis Tritt was at the top of the top at that time as far as the country music business but I said I just don't I just don't want to go back into the music industry I just just don't feel impressed to do that and uh, anyway I just I turned those two things down and I look back in retrospect that the mercy of God protected me because if I would have gone the way of the White House, I don't know what would have happened. Doug Weed said it would have been a hard situation because he said, once you get to Washington, not everything good happens to you. And so I'm glad I didn't choose that pathway. But yesterday, I was in a convention downtown and I was actually talking to this man who worked for Travis Tritt at that time. And I thought it was interesting what he said to me. I, I just, I just, I, I didn't tell him my situation until afterwards. But he said, yeah, back there in 1992, I was on tour with Travis Tritt, and uh, it was a hard tour. He was hard to work for. We were making good money, but it was a just a terrible environment because he was just a very egotistical and arrogant man and had no humility. He has humility now because uh, he's making actually a gospel album, for what I understand. But at the time, at that very instant, I mean, this music business was uh, taking him in an unpleasant manner, and it was getting to his head. And see, that's the beauty of the mercy of God to protect me to protect you and I from making bad decisions to walking in a place and as a matter of fact what if I'd have gone down that pathway then I would have ended up maybe not being here you see because the next year God brought me to Fort Worth Texas in 1993 and that's when you know two years later I had married Sheila after the first year of dating her and she was chasing me I just finally gave it up and said all right I'll get married my goodness just to get you off my back you're so aggressive and pursuing me I felt like I was being just pursued like Pepe Le Pew with her 
<laughs> no, it was quite the opposite. I was Pepe Le Pew. And so anyway, come here, darling. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that. That is hilarious. That is the most hilarious cartoons. I tell you what, I love all those cartoons. Uh, Mel Blunt was just tremendous. I met him one time at Jacksonville State University. What a gifted man that could do all those voices. He was out there talking to us down front, and he would go from being Bugs Bunny to Daffy Duck to all those characters while he's talking to you. He was just an amazing human being. And you say, what's that got to do with the mercy of God? Not a thing. <laughs> just, I just thought that it was interesting. Hey, it was the mercy of God I got to meet him. And uh, no, seriously, God has mercy on your life if you'll tap into it. Let's look over at Psalm 145, verses 89. Psalm 145, 89. Watch this. Look at this. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger. What's this last phrase? Great in what? Mercy. Notice verse 9. Watch this verse 9. The Lord is good to all and in, in, in his, in his, his tender mercies are over all his works. Guess who one of his works are? You're one of his works. It says in Ephesians that we're his workmanship created in him. God didn't want me to go on tour with Travis Tritt. God didn't want me to go to Washington, D.C. As a matter of fact, the Lord blessed me in 2000. In 2000, I had a relationship with Doug Weed that brought me to Washington in another capacity in a whole different way and was such a great experience that way, being with Doug. When you trust the Lord with your life, then things work out for the better. And I'm telling you what, there's no Travis Tritt, there's no Garth Brooks, there's no anybody I could have worked with in the music industry compared to being here in Fort Worth, Texas and meeting Sheila and having three beautiful children and pastoring Metroplex Family Church. The mercy of God is, is just awesome and the grace of God. It says here that, the, the, that God is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. Listen to this. The phrase full of compassion is translated in other words to mean simply this, that mercy is great compassion. His mercy is great compassion. And over here in a story in Mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 42, we'll close with this. But notice what it says here in Mark 40 verses 41 through 42. This is a situation with Jesus. And you'll notice that Jesus' healing ministry, I'm telling you what, it's amazing how compassionate he was to healing people. But so many people think that, you know, that Jesus was just healing people to give his identity as being the Savior. No, he was healing people because he wanted to help them. He had mercy upon their lives. And look what it says here. Now a leper came to him, watch this, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, now just picture this scene. I mean, this man could have been stoned for approaching another person. He had leprosy, and this man comes to Jesus, kneeling down, worshiping him, saying, worshiping him, and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And notice what it says in verse 41. And then Jesus moved with what? One more time, Jesus moved with what? Compassion or mercy. He stretched out his hand. This man had leprosy. And Jesus put his hand out there and touched him and said to him, I am willing or it is my will that you be healed and be cleansed of this. And notice verse 42. This is so powerful. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and the man was cleansed. I just want you to see that Jesus just shows the mercy of God in action. I tell you, this is such a powerful thing because listen to this. If you want if you will begin to see healing as the mercy of God and not trying to base it on obtaining healing by works or anything else, your faith in God's mercy will cause you to receive the mercy of God. 
God wants you healed. He wants you whole. He wants your life in a place where it's complete. Many people think God's only mercy is in relationship to salvation, and that's true. He is merciful to save us. But listen to this. Thank God that he saves us from being sinners and being a people that practice sin, but thank God his mercy is extended beyond just salvation. It's a relationship with God. As you can see in my own life, as you can see with the precious story of Jerry Savelle, how God wanted to protect him and his young family at that time and protect them on Interstate 35 and being merciful to them. But it comes to a place where you need to expect it. You need to receive it. You need to want it. So many people think that the blessings of God will just happen because they just exist through life. No, you got to bank your life where you're pointing towards the Lord. I mean, you know, in 1992, with all the decisions that were before me, I mean, I was seeking God intently. I probably spent more time in prayer that year because I was a single in time of transition than I ever have in all my life. And it's not that I don't now. I do even more so now too. But during that time, I mean, I was pressing in mightily to God mightily to him. I spent several hours that morning before my dad asked me to go meet with him and President or Governor Clinton at that time. And I just was in a time of prayer right there at 111 Forest Hills Drive. And just, I just knew that that was not the answer. And when you're seeking God and letting God lead you, he'll show you a pathway. He'll open up that door or he'll close that door all because of his mercy. But you need to trust him in this. And his healing mercies are not just physical, which they are, but they're mental, they're emotional. He wants to make you whole. He wants to complete your life because God wants you to fulfill a divine purpose in this earth. And he needs you to be at your very best. And he wants the very best for you. And others have this misconception that God God is out to get them. They think that he's some old man and the character of God has been so misjudged and that they think that he is some man in the sky with his flash water trying to knock us down if we just do all these things wrong and if we don't walk this perfect pathway. That is not the mercy of God. That is not the grace of God. That's not the goodness of God. He has a divine purpose and plan for our life. We have an enemy. We have a being in this earth that's consistently consistent and, and he has a plan for your life, but God has a greater plan. And I want to help you today to pray that plan through. As our worship team is going to come up here, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for you to enter into an even greater aspect of the worship, uh, the mercy of God. And you also ought to pause for a second and maybe if you've been unmerciful towards another person, you can call that person, send that person a text or reach out to that person and say, you know what? God's been merciful to me. I wanted to be merciful to you.